0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Oh,
1: somebody get a shot up at the buzzer. It's good. Brooks home. The place on at the buzzer. The Dayton Flyers. And the podium in the Dayton Decibel Dungeon.
2: Great college basketball venues in the nation. UD Arena. Dayton Flyers are going to the Elite
1: Eight for the first time in 30
2: years.
1: Here comes it again. It's showtime. showtime The Dayton
2: Flyers. This is Talking Out Loud, the number one podcast on the internet for Dayton Flyers basketball. Always wearing red and being loud. And welcome back. This is Talking Out Loud, the rapid reaction. I'm your host, Sully, and today, tonight, minutes after, eh, I guess about 45 minutes after the Dayton Flyers have taken down the UMass Minutemen at home, I am joined by my confidants. In podcasting, Blackburn Andrew, and we're here to talk about the Dayton win, taking care of UMass in comfortable fashion. Um, and, and boys, this this game kind of went exactly the way that we thought it would go from the jump. To be honest with you, um, going into the game tonight, it was kind of a a game that needed to be won by any means necessary, um, whether that was ugly or not. You know, we didn't really care. Tonight, Dayton took care of business the exact way that they should have taken care of business. And the final score, 82-61, cover the spread. Uh, If you're an over-better, they hit the over as well. In kind of heartbreaking fashion, that could possibly be a segment on Bad Beats with Scott Van Pelt. But 82-61, nonetheless, the score. Need to backtrack to the UMass preview if you did listen to that with my boy, Stu Ledecky. I said the Flyers wouldn't break 80. They actually did that with two Christian Wilson free throws and then a Sissoko jam to end the game. That was the only reason they got over 80 because I saw 46 at halftime and I said 80 still kind of in jeopardy. And I also said that UMass was not going to score 60. They ended up scoring 61. Both sides of the coin made a liar out of you, boy. But I can assure all listeners tonight, the beers were drank at Glascott's victory shots of Jameson were had. And it is a joyous night to be watching basketball in the gem city and around. If you are a Dayton Flyers fan after the St. Louis loss, gentlemen, we said that Dayton had to rattle off six wins in a row to stay in the title conversation and get their name included in the bubble talk. And guess what? There's five wins down. And there is one more to go on that victory tour before we get to the last week of the season where the Flyers take on Richmond on Tuesday night. And then that pivotal game Saturday afternoon, uh, March 5th, I believe it is, uh, against, yeah, thank you, Drew, uh, against Davidson at the arena, um, which could still be for the conference title. But again, they had to take care of six inferior opponents for these um, last two games to matter in conference play and to be playing for the conference title. And guess what, fam? We're right there. The Dayton Flyers improved to 20-8, and 12-3 and three in the conference. And to start the program tonight, I wanted to shout out to our guy, Brooks Hall, who's come on the program many times. His tweet right after the game, he broadcasted it with Larry Courtside. He said, show me someone. That said we'd win 20 games after the one and three start, and I'll show you a liar. What this staff has done with this group has been absolutely amazing. I'd have to agree with Brooks Hall at this particular juncture of the season. What Anthony Grant staff have done with this team has been very amazing given the one and three start. I think we could sit here on the cast tonight and argue that the one and three start should have never happened with the amount of talent on the roster. I'll save that discussion for another day, and I will open up the conversation to Blackburn. Drew, Drew, I'm going to start with you tonight because you were at the game, and I my question is kind of around the fact that this team is starting to figure out how to put teams away, start fast, go into the break with a lead, and now the Flyers are 17-1 and when they go into the half with a lead that was tonight included in that stat. And I think that's the most impressive part about this team because road wins, wins against inferior teams. You know, Archie Miller lost to UMass in embarrassing fashion. Even AG has lost to UMass in embarrassing fashion. I believe it was in year one or two. Can't remember off the top of my head right now. We've taken losses to UMass teams of that ilk in the A10 uh, historically. And you know what? They just really haven't done that, right? The six-game winning streak, you have a bad Duquesne team, a bad George Washington team, a Rhode Island team that absolutely stinks, then St. Joseph's and UMass today. The Flyers have controlled and dominated every game except for that Rhode Island game. So let's open up the conversation. Drew, what did you see tonight? What impressed you? I know the game was over at halftime. But it's impossible to not be impressed by what the Flyers have done to get to ten and three in the conference. Yeah, great, great start.
3: Um, You you know UMass started a little hot. Dayton got out to uh, a fourteen point lead at the eight thirty five mark, thirty to sixteen, off of the the score steal score by Kobe Brea. Uh, And UMass never threatened again after that point. Uh, Had them doubled up at half. Great energy, good crowd tonight. Great energy in the building. You could tell right away that fans were fired up, players were fired up. Uh Tamani Kamara Liar continues. Up. Yeah. Up. Hey, <laughs> you said it, not me. And <laughs> but uh Tamani Kamara continues to be the best player on the team like he has been the past six games. He just he he put his imprint on this game early. Uh he only finished you know, you look at his box score, it doesn't look all that impressive. Four or five, ten points, two or four from the line, four boards, but uh, oh wait, no, that's that's Holmes. Kamara was six for nine, excuse me, for twelve points. Yeah, he had twelve uh, points. No free, no no free throw attempts. But even still, I think eight of those points were were very very early on. Uh, good bench production tonight. Thirty two points between Mustafa Amzil and Kobe Brea with sixteen apiece. Yep. Sign me up for that every day of the week. Yep. Uh, Malachi with nine assists, now averaging uh, seven point eight over his last five games. Very mm-hmm. very good stuff. Still struggling from the field. Two of eight from the field, but. You know, we'll take what we can get there. And all in all, pretty impressive performance. You know, even though these teams are dog shit, you still have to come in and perform. And like I, like you said, the game was over at halftime. And to be honest with you, the game was over 10 minutes into the game.
2: Yeah, no, I agree with that. Drew, um, important question. What kind of beers did you drink in the arena tonight? Budweiser every yeah. time. Yeah. A boy, yeah. I was at Glasscots with our boy KT, who you've heard on the podcast before. Small crowd at Glasgots, but I will say that crowd will be super rowdy if we get to that Davidson game. And uh, there's a conference title on the line. Miller Light buckets were drank, Jameson shots were had, so we're, we figure we'll have the, the rapid reaction after some lubrication here tonight. Blackburn, my first question for you it has nothing to do with the game tonight, but more holistically on the Flyers because. Let's be honest. We don't have to sit here and dissect this game. This was a roadblock in the way of Dayton doing the things that are going to be relevant to everybody. This game was in the way of getting passive fans and people that marginally care about Dayton basketball back into the fold to care about what's happening to the team in the next two weeks and then into the A-10 tournament. So I know that you come on the cast and you're the ultimate realist about how much we should care about Dayton basketball, how much we should be fans. I know that's that's your, your calling card, but we started one and three. Here we are, man. The Flyers are 20 and eight, and we just have to call it what it is. They are fully in the thick of the bubble conversation right now, and they have a chance at an at-large. They have a chance at a conference title. So I let the listeners know, what's going through your head as far as this is probably the greatest turnaround of a Dayton team that we've ever seen in one season. Am I incorrect in saying that?
4: As far as beginning to the end, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, sir, I mean, I can't think of. I mean, really, the, the when you you look back on the the Brian Gregory days, it was just pure mediocrity throughout the whole season.
2: Well, no, know? it was even the opposite. <laughs> like they would start hot, and then well, you get an A ten tournament, and then you're like, 99 oh, oh, nine. yeah, great, eight Nate. Great eight, great yeah. season, guys. Let's f- fucking that's true, nit.
4: The big picture here is that, and I guess we were kind of set up for failure beginning of the year, obviously with the three horrible losses, but like what Dayton has really done um, if you look at their body of work is they've avoided the landmines. They're yep. not, they're Sense not beating, man. they're not beating anybody. They're not beating quality teams. They're not, you know, the, the win against GW and Rhode Island and St. Joe's and UMass. No one cares about that. Uh, it's not going to jump off the the, the resume, but The fact that they are avoiding those landmines, you know, when you talk about the better teams in in the conference, um, you know, they split with VCU, they split with St. Louis. They got the loss, of course, uh, to George Mason. So really what they've done is just kind of taking care of business against the dog shit of the other league, which is what you have to do. You know what I mean? Um, That's that's kind of what they have to do. No one expected UD to go to go into A-10 play and sweep VCU, sweep uh, St. Louis and not have a couple clunkers here and there. But like, I think we discussed this maybe two weeks ago, a week ago. Ken Palm had the chances of Dayton winning out, I guess, was around 3 three to 4%, which is still accurate. You know what I mean? There's still some – you got the, the Richmond game on the road and obviously you got the Davidson game. Yep. But I am kind of surprised that they did not um, have a bed shooter. I mean, they almost – like you said, they almost kind of did against uh, Rhodey and Kingston, uh, but they were able to pull that one out. So that's the credit you got to give to these kids. Um is that you didn't get complacent. You didn't turn around when you were 1 and 3 coming off losses to, you know, uh Austin P and Lowell. I still can't believe you lost a UMass Lowell. I was still going to
2: And you know what the actual funniest part about that is? The UMass team that we beat tonight, they uh, beat they UMass beat, Lowell.
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how how much would Lipscomb beat UMass by 40?
2: <laughs> but if, if, if Lipscomb if,
4: played, played if UMass,
3: played like if Lipscomb played like they did against Dayton that night, they I think they could beat anybody by 40. Like yeah, uh, to be well. honest, like looking looking back on it, the the Lowell game and the Austin P <laughs> game are are were very bad. And the the Lipscomb game too. But what I will say is that that night Lipscomb like could not miss. They they looked like I was like, "Holy shit, this team might win 21 games." That's not how it turned out, <laughs> clearly. Not how right. it turned out. Right. But that night, like that game alone, like if you just isolate that game, I like that one. I was like, whatever they they played. We didn't play well. They played really well. The Lowell game and the Austin P game are the two games that you look back on and you just go, man, like how, how how did that happen? Like you can run into a team who can shoot well. That like that can happen in college basketball. That's what happened when we played Lipscomb. But the of other course. two are the ones. The other two were the ones that I like are just. Yeah, I mean, Continue.
4: to be quite honest, like I think um, somebody tweeted out about Dayton's resume tonight, and they, and they made the same point we did that, you know, no at-large team has ever had three losses as bad as Dayton does. So it's going to be kind of an interesting litmus test going forward if Dayton is able to kind of, um, you know, get 23 wins, 24 wins, win a game or two in the tournament, how the, the committee is going to look at those horrible losses. But yeah, every time I see UMass Lowell, I'm like, oh my God, it's right. Like <laughs> we lost like, that game a directional ubas oh my god <laughs> well, Like i said do do you give credit to the kids and the staff because not because they're playing great basketball they're not you know like i said they split with VCU. they split with st louis they lost to mason yeah but you do get some credit for beating teams you should beat it, yeah. it's tough to do night in night out um but yeah i mean i did I always think it? Did I think it was possible that they could do this in this really, 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 really bad A10? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's that bad this year. You know what I mean? Um, so, it, is it a byproduct of the kids buying it? No, it, it's more of just playing against shit competition and taking care of business. You know what I mean? <laughs> and look, we're we're gonna know in February. Like I said, you you got the roadie at Richmond, and you you of course close uh, at home with Davidson. Those, those two games are gonna be. More monumental telling. than any, anything they've done in the past month. Pretty so, telling. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the, you know, it's great that they're winning, but um, if, if they can sweep those two in February or March, that'd be that'd be a huge step, I think. And that's, and I, 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 I can't even conjure up an at-large uh, <laughs> possibility right now. I know <laughs> people are talking about it. <laughs>
2: the, the streets are talking.
3: Well, uh, like well, that's where I'm at too. I st- I'm standing firm. I had this. I've had this belief now for a couple weeks as we've started to creep onto lists and things like that. I'm a firm belief that we are out of any at large discussion unless we make it to the final game without a loss. Well, yeah,
4: yeah. Just to cut it even quick- then,
3: and even then, I'm not confident that we get in, even if we do that.
4: I agree with you, Drew, to in the sense that we know from past comments from the committee and what they consider and you know how it is when if dayton is on the bubble come selection sunday cbs is going to put that graphic up and they're going to say bad losses and those things are going to shine like a fucking beacon people are going to go, wait what those things are
2: going to shine like a beacon before you even get to the at george mason and at old miss losses which are frankly they're not great. I mean, like Old Miss, I, I said this on the, the podcast on Monday, if you're an avid listener. If you're not and you're just joining us, welcome in. Um but those losses to Old Miss and George Mason, they're Q2, but they're outside the top one hundred. I mean, they're not even right. great losses. No, and they're not and, right. and that's, you know, after you get past the ones that we started the season. I'm gonna hit you guys with some impromptu trivia because you piqued my interest. Um, Lipscomb, the Bison's—they are twelve and eighteen now um, on the season. They're—they're they're going nowhere. They're five and ten in the A Sun. So they're very bad. My trivia question to you: uh, the music's already playing. Didn't have to say hit the music. Is what is the highest-rated team that Lipscomb has beat after the Dayton game? And the numbers are obviously one to three hundred and fifty-eight. I can tell you guys that it is not in the top one hundred for pretty obvious reasons. What is the number of the best opponent that Lipscomb has beaten to date since beating Dayton at UD Arena? Drew, go ahead and go first. I'm
3: gonna say 197.
2: Blackburn?
4: I'll say 196. <laughs> yeah, you got yeah, your prices right. You're
2: playing the prices right, game. That's <laughs> yes. smart. It's it's smart. <laughs> Um, neither of you are close, particularly. Uh, Kennesaw State, who is ranked at two thirty-one in Kenpom, is the is the next best win on the entire schedule for Lipscomb.
4: Jesus, why? Well, I, I guess so, that makes sense. I don't know. I don't. You know, crazy. I don't.
2: I don't want to be like this, but like, I just have to have people understand how bad those losses are. And again. Whether you believe Dayton has an at-large case or not is predicated on the fact whether you believe that the committee would overlook the three losses in November. Now, I will say Joe Lenardi talks to a lot of people that are on the committee. He has a very good pulse on the teams that are getting in. He doesn't have the best pulse, um, but we're talking about 8 to 10 spots total. Right, That Dayton is going to be fighting for with other teams, right? And the problem with the the hype train on Twitter, the problem with the conversation at this particular juncture of the season when we still have three games left to go, is that people see, oh my gosh, we're in the first four out. Oh my gosh, we're in the last four in. And they think we're that close. The problem is that you cannot go into the last week of the season into conference tournament time. And be the last four teams into the bracket because you saw it last year. Remember, Georgetown won yep. the Big East tournament. Y- you cannot go into that last week of the season with all those things, you know, looming over your head, right? Because there is going to be bid sealers. There is going to be people that come in um, to come out of nowhere to win conference tournaments. The MVC is kind of, you know, in that that same realm where Loyola could get a bid if anybody beats them, they could get in. So I think the point that I want to impress on people now that Dayton, you know, has taken care of business. They have won 5 out of the 6 games that we said they needed to win is that if you're at the last four teams in on those last couple of weeks of the season or you know conference tournament time, it stands the reason that someone is going to jump over you. Um so you know Take that for what it's worth, guys. I, you know, I don't know if you had something else to add on to that, but like that's kind of where I'm at right now. Is that I get it. Like we have done exactly what we needed to do. The Flyers have won eight of their last nine games now, dating back to that George Mason loss. And frankly, you know, they started oh oh and one against VCU at that home loss, and they've gone. 12 and two since then. I think it's incredibly impressive. you know I have to give credit to the coaching staff, the things that they've done to turn this team around. Um, I, I, we've said enough on the podcast that you know the the coaching staff has to be given the black mark for not having the team ready to start the year of course, but I mean this is just the greatest turnaround I've ever seen. Um, and I, I just I'm blown away. I'm blown away that we're sitting here. Heading towards the end of February, and we're one game at LaSalle away from saying, hey, we win two games and we win the conference. I mean, is that Blackburn? Is that blowing your mind? Because I, I just I literally can't believe that we're saying it.
4: Yes and no. And like I said, I think sometime in like mid January, you kind of took a look at the the overall landscape of the A ten and you knew it was garbage, right? The worst conference play I think I've seen, maybe since I started following the league. And I had the thought in my mind, you know, Dayton has enough talent on paper anyway where they could compete for the, for the league for sure. I absolutely thought that. I, I think everybody thought
2: that going into the year, right? I thought right? that too. That but was I why we were that, so disappointed with one and three. I
4: thought, I thought that even even with the horrible, three horrible right. losses. Because the mediocrity, the good teams are, you know, the middle of the pack. It's the worst middle of the pack top to bottom that we've ever seen. The bottom is always going to be the bottom. And the top ain't that good either. So yeah, that I think I, I thought a couple of weeks into January, looking at, ahead at things, I said, "Look, there's a lot of winnable games out there. Dayton is going to put the better team on the floor nine times out of ten, you know, going forward." Um, so yeah, I, I definitely thought it was possible to be quite honest, um, and that's why we always say it's like that's why it's a shame of it all because obviously, if you lose just two of those games, you're probably having a, a different discussion right now. You know what I mean? Like yeah. take away that Lowell loss, maybe I don't know. Right. But again, Sully, we were talking about this uh before we came on and how you know, I've always been a big proponent of cutting the the size of the tournament. Um and every year we talk about <laughs> this how this year's a is strong it. case. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's like every year it seems the argument gets stronger and stronger. Um because people constantly write articles like is it I can't believe how weak the bubble is and it's like I, we say this every year now. So let's eliminate the bubble. Cut it cut it down to 64. We'll get used to that, and then you know we'll go back to fifty-two, uh, like it was before expanded. Um, because at the end of the day, you're, you're trying to crown a champion, so it should be teams that deserve the right to play for a national championship. You know what I mean? Um, well,
3: as someone as someone who really enjoys watching the Thursday at noon games, I, I disagree with the take. I I get where you're coming from. Well, sixty-four,
4: you still sixty-four. You just right. get rid of the, the shitty. That was going to
3: be that was going to be my question. Was like, if you want to cut it down, what do you want to cut it down to? And If you want to cut it down to sixty-four. Then yeah, I'm game. Get rid them. of uh,
4: get, get rid of four bubble teams.
3: Yeah, well, I think what the thing is, what you could do is you just get rid of the two 16 seeds, the the 16 seed games at the first four. Right, and, and look, there
4: have been discussions in the past of having certain conferences play a further play-in game, uh, to, you know, to right. make it 64. So it's like you know the MIAC and and the SWAC would play right. their Right, which I would, would be fine China. with. Right, which I would be fine and with. They would like, get, they're they would not in the
3: tournament. Right. Yeah.
4: They they would still get a share um for winning a quote unquote tournament game. But right. when it all starts out on on Thursday, we're down to We're we're in the sixty-four. Exactly. I get what you're saying. I get and what you're saying. Okay. I just say get rid of the playing games um and have you know start with sixty-four, see how that goes. And if the bubble is still horrible, you know, you cut down to fifty two. Because it is a weird thing. It's the only sport I can think of where you you have almost a quarter of the teams are eligible to play for the national title. It's kind of strange to me, but I guess that's almost kind of like that's,
3: I see like for me, that's like, that's the appeal of it. Like, obviously not every team that gets into the tournament is, is going to play for the national champ, like national title. Let's be real. There's probably, but but that is the point, correct. That is the point of the tournament. That is the the point of the tournament. Right. But it's also an entertainment product where they want as many eyeballs on as many games as they can get. So it's this is a, obviously a very fluid discussion that we could have back and forth about it. And as someone who just loves sitting in front of the TV for four days... For that first, you know, those first and second rounds, indeed. Like I, I don't care, let them all in. Like uh, fuck it, <clears throat> fuck going back. Let's go for let's go one twenty eight. I digress. I digress. There, I don't actually mean that. I mean, look, I get what you're saying.
4: No, but the unfortunate thing is, in the era we live in, where you know everybody's gets a fair fair share and equity and all that, right. I foresee it'll probably expand. Oh, to that's to the thing. It'll it'll go, it'll go it'll get more.
3: It's more likely to go to more teams than cut down Absolutely. to. Absolutely. Like you were Absolutely. saying.
4: Oh, I, I, like I said, I don't foresee a scenario where they ever cut a team out because there'd be right. too many, too many uh, people that'd be pissed off about it. You'd have some backlash. Right. And I think you're probably right. The more, the more plausible scenarios where they actually expand to about 96. You know, right. like start with that angle. Which, go which would be bad.
3: That would be that would be admittedly. Be yeah, it just bad. it <laughs> kind of waters
4: down the whole point of. For sure. Of what I have, think have they're the in the. About.
3: I think they're in the sweet spot right now. If they wanted to go back to the sixty four way, yeah. I would be totally okay with that. I think the sixty four to sixty eight team is kind of the sweet spot for it. I agree. Um, but but again, like as far as Dayton's chances go, I, I've said my piece on it. They got to make. They got to make the final without winning to even have a discussion for it. And if you're going to make it to the a 10 uh, title game with doing all that, just win the game. Just win the a 10 title game and you remove all doubt. There's no doubt yeah. that you're, go- you're now, going. Now,
4: Drew, are you saying that in, under that that premise that they win out the regular season?
3: Yes. Okay. I, I mean, win every game until the Atlantic 10 tournament final. I agree. I, like,
4: I I agree with you 100% on that. Yeah, totally agree.
3: I think that's the only way we have a, a punching chance. To get selected as an at-large. But if we make it that far, just win the just win the final and that you take it out of the committee's hands. You're in it, You're in the tournament.
4: It's like I always say to Dayton, you know, just win, just win the A-10 tournament. Just win it, you know? No big deal.
3: And I think, like, I, I know it's something we haven't done in the 20 years and all that and whatnot. <laughs> you have to say it.
4: <laughs> there there but, is that footnote. There's, yeah. the,
3: there's that caveat, obviously. But you also have to remember that, like, th- this is a group of kids who don't, like, that doesn't mean anything to them. You know, this is their. This is going to be this team's first opportunity at the Atlantic Ten tournament, and we know they've proven to us that they can win three games in you know however many days. So I, you know, I think the team with the way we're built, with how we play defense, like looking at Ken Palm now, we're the thirty what thirty seventh ranked defensive team in the country, and Ken Palm now. When was the last time you you think a Dayton team could say that?
4: Probably during the Long BG time. days. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And
3: even like, BJ had some good defensive teams, but you Great, think they were yeah. like that good? And they're, the offense, which was anemic at best to start the season, is now up to 69th in the country. Nice. Nice. So like, we're you know, with, you look at these last several games, you know, 75 against Duquesne, 80 against George Washington, and then you had the the semi-stinker against Rhode Island, but then 74 against St. Joe's, and 82 against UMass. I mean... The, like we're we're putting up points now, and we shot what fifty percent from three tonight. I think uh, yes, sir. Fifty five percent from the field. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. like the shooting, the Kobe's coming alive, Tumani coming alive from the three point line. Moose shot it well from deep tonight. You know, if we can keep getting Who? that, the Moose. I know. I couldn't. I couldn't believe the it either. Moose. I couldn't believe it either. But we keep getting that. I, I just don't think there's anyone who can really beat us. If we play like we played tonight and like we're capable of,
2: I don't think there's anyone in the league who can touch us. I really don't. Take one step back and realize that, you know, we were playing a UMass defense that was three. 334 that's fine. in the country. I know, I know. We yeah, just have to keep fine. it. Yeah, I mean, we, we do me have buck. to keep,
4: keep. Yeah, keep the eyes on a prize here and just admit <laughs> <laughs> that we're beating sure. dog shit. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
3: But I'm, and I'm, I mean, I've, I admit that. I know that. I'm just saying, like, we played teams who were just as bad defensively as them and put up. Big time stinkers. So, like, oh yeah, tonight was, Tonight show. was a layup. Tonight was a layup line. It was. It, I think you tweeted it out. So it was a layup line, and it truly was. UMass was was dog shit on defense.
2: They, they were, were worse than I man. thought.
3: Worse than yeah, right. they
2: than i They suck. Just
4: just it, get rid of that program altogether.
3: <laughs> just just go go to I really thought Matt McCall go was going to be you, the man. guy. Hockey. School. I thought McCall would really would really be the guy, but he he clearly is not.
4: I do too. I think. I think this is more of a UMass problem than a McCall problem. I do.
3: I do kind of agree with that.
4: Yeah, because yeah. recruiting
3: in Philly's tough, or uh, up in the Northeast is tough when
2: you're competing with those Big
3: East programs. This is true.
2: You know, regarding Dayton, fellas, I, I have to drop in one clip, and um, I'm going to make the sound as best as it can be. Okay. Well, then I guess there's only one thing left to do. What's
1: that? Win the whole fucking thing.
4: Amen. Jake Taylor. Jake Taylor. Amen. Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah. yeah we'll say this yeah, though. Andrew uh, Serrano is just like, yes, yes. Yeah. That's <laughs> the shit, man. That's the real shit. They couldn't say it on WHIO for real reasons, but we're just on the internet. The only thing left to do is win the whole fucking thing.
4: And I think the A-10 tournament, honestly, Drew, I think you make a lot of good points. I don't disagree with, with a lot of it, but like- You make a lot of good points. Yeah. I tried to. Give, give the kid credit, but you know, I, I think more so than any other year that I can think of, like- the matchups Dayton has in that tournament are going to be so crucial. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I do agree just, with that. There's just certain teams that, you know, just Dayton just doesn't match up well. Teams like Rhodey and SLU who are physical will give them problems, right. obviously. So it's like, if we can get a couple upsets here and there and get on the right side of the bracket, I, I totally agree with you. I wouldn't be shocked if they were in the championship uh, come that Sunday afternoon.
3: We'll see. And I and I I have no stats or metrics to back this up, but I feel like when Dayton, when Dayton plays like an offensively based team, I feel like we, we just, we dominate those kind of teams. Like UMass came in tonight, averaging 72 points a game, but giving up 77. George Washington was kind of in that same ilk. And uh, like, so I think like, I think we match up well with Davidson. I think if we can get to that Davidson, that last Davidson game, I think we match up really, really well with them. And I like our chances against it, but I'm with you. Salou, Rhode Island, like those are the teams I'm trying to avoid.
4: VCU, if they get healthy, yeah.
2: Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, and last time we played VCU, obviously didn't have Vince Williams, one of their best players. Um, a couple stats I wanted to rattle off before we get to our last two segments. Uh, Dayton's now 17-1 uh, and one when leading at the half, which I mentioned earlier in the broadcast. They have not, na- um, not, you know, tonight they didn't cause you just broke the 60 point mark, but they have held 15 of their opponents under 60 points. And Dayton is now 12 and zero when their three point shooting is above 40%. All those things were on the broadcast tonight, uh, on good old ESPN plus, uh, a couple of things I wanted to discuss a uh, quick, a 10 whip around just because we got to do it. Um, Duquesne lost to Davidson by 24. That was very expected. Fordham beat LaSalle. That was also expected. And then, of course, your Dayton Flyers beat UMass. The fun one I want to tell you guys about was that uh, we were at Glasgots tonight. I was with KT, a couple other friends watching the game, and they're very accommodating to us because I think you guys can imagine how many people would really be in a bar at six o'clock on a Wednesday uh, if you know, they weren't going there to watch something. And so right after the game, Dayton's game ended incredibly early. Drew, I know you know this because you had to drive back to Cincinnati. The game was over by like eight forty-five Eastern time. Um, so if you live in Cincinnati, you were good and home by nine 30 uh, VCU took down George Mason today, 72 66. And the story I wanted to tell was that we were in Glasgow's and right after Dayton game gets over, we tell the bartender, Hey, uh the george mason vcu game's close it's 50 to 50 can you throw that on there's seven minutes left and of course he obliged yeah i'll turn it on espn plus no big deal so vcu was hitting free throws to go to 51 50 and then uh we're kind of like passively watching the game having some beers next thing we know it was 64 to 50 and i looked around to the guys that i was sitting with and i go wasn't this game tied when we started watching and we all kind of came to this consensus that it was, but that was the game that happened uh, in Richmond tonight. George Mason kept it close. God love them for as long as they could. And then VCU pulled away in the last few minutes, there, winning uh, by six points. So where that leaves us, which is what I was getting to Davidson still leading the conference at 13 and two Dayton right behind him at 12 and three owning the tiebreaker right now over VCU. However, That could change if they lose to Davidson. So basically what we're looking at right now, um, sorry, going down uh, the list from there, VCU is also a 12 and three. Bonaventure is at 10 and four. They are not going to be scheduling their makeup game. So Bonaventure is only going to be playing 17 games in conference versus 18, which is just outwardly ridiculous. it's it's outwardly ridiculous. Um, the, they don't want to risk that loss. Well, I don't know what the A-10's reasoning is for it, but the game that they have to reschedule is with George Washington, and the fact that they're not going to let them, it's ridiculous. I, I, I feel bad for Bonaventure fans because it matters. I mean, oh, they well. could very well be in the fifth seed line simply because they did not get the game with George Washington rescheduled. So what I wanted to bring up tonight was that Dayton owns the tiebreaker with VCU right now, VCU split with Davidson. So what that means is that if Dayton loses to Davidson, they will be below VCU. However, if they beat Davidson, obviously the Flyers are going to win the conference. So you can kind of see where I'm going with this. If the Flyers win their last three games, they're going to be conference champions. That's it and that's all. Those are those are the facts. Um, if you know if they lose this game, lose that game, we can talk about it then. But, you know, as of right now, as of the time you're listening to this, whether it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday morning, getting ready for the LaSalle game, Dayton is right there. They win three games, they win the conference. It's simple as that. I think right now the prevailing wisdom with the Dayton Flyers resume is if they get to the A 10 tournament on Sunday and they lose the championship. They're probably still going to get in. I think if they lose on Saturday, I think they're going to find themselves on the outside looking in. So that's your A10 rundown uh, for this evening. Last thing I wanted to go over, guys, before we get to our mailbag, which was extensive tonight for the rapid reaction, is the games that I want people to start worrying about now that all of a sudden we have to worry about Dayton's resume. And first and foremost. I want everybody listening to this podcast. I hope you're getting to it before Thursday night. But Belmont is taking on Murray State on Thursday, February 24th at Murray State. Murray State is 26 in the net. Belmont right now is 56. If Belmont wins that game, they are going to be a Q one victory for the Flyers, who are now two and two in the quadrant one. If they lose, that game will stay a quadrant two win indefinitely. That game is huge for the Flyers resume because they need that third quad one win. So I want to make everybody aware of that. Other games that are coming up, uh Miami same thing. They need Miami to sneak back into the top 50 and make that a quad one game. They can do that. They have Virginia Tech, Boston College and Syracuse. So just keep an eye on Miami to win those last 3 because if they don't, that game also will stay a quad two win for Dayton and that was of course in Orlando in that same tournament that I'm talking about. Everything else um, is probably going to stay the same. Virginia Tech, I do not believe, is going to jump back into the top 30. They're at 41 right now. Um, and there's a couple other games that could shift, um, but it's it's a long shot. So right now, the resume is what it is. You have to put Dayton up against a couple other teams, and hopefully the committee overlooks the three losses in November to to some extent you know, where they, where they let the flyers in. So we'll see. Got to get to the mailbag fellas. And Drew, I told you when we logged on tonight that it was a good mailbag. So we're going to spend the last 10 or 15 minutes getting to it before we let you out uh, with a song of my choice as always. First question from our friend, Chris Pyle, the parlay pile himself. He said that metrics matter fellas, but are there any amount of metrics that are going to give Dayton the upper hand, over some of these bubble teams, a.k.a. are they going to increase in net enough for it to matter? Come selection Sunday right now, Dayton is, I need to go check it again. Uh, They are 51. Well, they're 41 in the net. net. Drew, where do you land on that question? Um, Is it, can they increase their net enough for it to matter? Selection Sunday. So I think, with with that it comes
3: with a tall task of kind of dominating Richmond and Davidson both um like if you beat Richmond by double digits on the road i think that definitely helps your case with metrics and stuff like things like that Davidson kind of the same way even though that's a home game but you know that record of 23 and 4 13 and 2 in conference as of now uh, obviously that can change but before that game tips off but i think those are your two best scenarios where you can control it whereas sure. you know like with the like we just discussed with the Belmonts and the Miami's of the world you know we're, we're counting on somebody else to help prop us up a little bit but if you can go into Richmond and win by double digits and beat Davidson pretty handily i think those are your two best ways to improve the metrics to where it starts to get hard to ignore what Dayton has done since the beginning of the new year
2: No doubt about it. Uh, Next mailbag question is for me personally. If Dayton Davidson is the A-10 championship game, will you make the trip? Uh, I will not be making the trip. I gave my parents my tickets, and I will be flying to the A-10 tournament in D.C. from my homestead in Chicago the following weekend. Davidson game is at 1230. I was going to have to drive home after the game. I hate doing that. Those are my reasons. I'm sticking to them. Everybody's going to have to fucking deal with it. Third question, Andrew Tillman on Twitter says... What is Amzil's future with the program? I don't see him as anything more than coming off the bench. Blackburn, what are your thoughts on that one?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty clear. Uh
2: <laughs> it's 16 shocked. tonight, though. Like, what are you gonna say? Right.
4: No, but I mean, you know, that's 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 great. I mean it's great against UMass. Yeah, that's great. Humass, fantastic. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't understand the question. I mean, that's what he is now. Four for five for three, uh, all... though. Yeah. And <laughs> your I he he's uh yeah he's a, a spark plug off the bench. Some might say a butt plug off the bench. I don't know. He might be gone. I'm thinking we might not see Amsel around next year. Where that's the what hell I, is he
2: gonna go? He's like some Finnish kid we got off the scrap heap. I don't want to hear that. Go,
4: he, he go play pro in Finland, right? <laughs> yeah,
2: actually, that's a very valid response. I mean, that's what,
4: think about what uh, Maji or M- Matej or whatever the hell Savoda. He hightailed it out of Dayton when went to go play pro. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, look, Amsel is what he is. I don't know if it was, you know, he doesn't fit into the system right now. He's just not very confident with the shot, although it looked good tonight. Um, but yeah, I mean, it it would take a lot, I think, for him to start being, uh, getting starter minutes next year. I I just don't foresee that happening.
2: Yeah. I don't foresee that, that turnaround coming either. Uh, next two questions, uh, from Jack, the ginger, what do you predict? Is this team ceiling and floor for next season? Jack, the ginger, wait until fucking mid March for those questions. Get out of here with that. We're not talking about the portal. It's clear. You know what? If we were headed for the NIT indefinitely, I would entertain that question. Jack, the ginger, but not tonight, my friend. We have bigger things to discuss. We love you. That's not the question for tonight's podcast. Blackburn, my next one for you is it's specifically for you because of the nature of the question. Duncan Lindsay S is the early season losses factoring into AG being a serious contender for the A-10 coach of the year. And right below it, it said those losses should arguably make it a stronger case. Blackburn, what say you on that point?
4: Yeah, I mean, uh- I always thought that, you know, if you're, you're voting on the coach of the year in the conference or the player of the year, the conference, you don't include non-conference games, obviously. So yeah, he'd, he'd be, yeah, I mean, certainly he'd be near the top of the heap. I mean, McKillop is probably the favorite, depending on how everything shakes out. But yeah, I mean, um, certainly he he's going to be a candidate. Um, and it'd, it'd be one that he won on his own merit this year. You know, it, there's no Obi Toppin the kind of, uh, Prop it to up, carry you across the finish. It would line.
3: be more impressive than him winning national coach of the year. If absolutely. he won, if he absolutely. won ten coach of the year this year it would be more impressive than him winning national coach of the year. I think
4: absolutely, yeah. And and again, like I, I don't want to harp on this, but it's like I I do believe Dayton fans. I know we want to ignore those three bad losses, but I'm telling you, man, selection Sunday they're gonna be. It's gonna be like a, a pile of dog shit in that in that conference room. Yeah, you know, yeah. just be like, mm, I don't know, you know. And Are the wins good enough? I know the metrics are what the metrics are, but I still believe there's a little bit of the eye test to some of this. It's not an exact science. And I think people are going to make the case in that room. Like, yeah, you know, the wins aren't great. And they have three horrible losses. We've never, uh, so we talked about this. I think we found, I think Stephen Wright tweeted out beginning of the year, only one at large team has ever made the field with one um, Q- 300 plus loss. Yep. Yep. Dayton's got three. So it'd be a humongous precedent for them to set. Um and yeah, like I said, I, I, I think they gotta go win the whole damn thing for the most part. I really do. I know everyone's getting excited, but I just don't see it right now. The you know, like you said, a lot of shit happens between now and, and, and selection Sunday too.
2: Yep, and that's why I said you know, you don't want to be in that last four in because people can jump you. The Georgetown's of the world can can pull off some magic and win the Big East. They did it last year. They're not going to do it this year. If you ever watch Georgetown, they're fucking terrible. Have they won uh, a Big East game yet? I don't, I don't know. They're really bad. Uh, uh, Blackburn, I got to correct you so we say factual. They're not 300-plus wins, but they're damn close to it. UMass Lowell right now is at 257. Lipscomb at 278. Well, quad four. Right? Austin P is is 288. Yeah, I just wanted to, you know, quad I four though. Yeah, they're all quad fours. They're right. Different. That's, <laughs> what, that's I'm a, not going to change. That's what <laughs> he was going for. Right. That's what I'm trying to say. That's it's quad
4: four change. losses. You know what I mean? Yeah.
2: Um. Okay. Last couple of questions that we had on the mailbag tonight. Uh, this one I'm gonna take Weaver. Actual injury or deep bone bruise situation. If you're not in on the (laughs) joke, the deep bone bruise thing came from the Kendall Pollard senior season where Archie Miller just kept saying that he had a deep bone bruise over and over and over again, and he was very hurt. It's just we didn't really know what was going on with him because Archie kept saying deep bone bruise, and no one knows what that means. What I'll say about Weaver is that with the way that his season has gone in thinking he was going to be the starting point guard, Not being a starting point guard, not even really getting off the bench, not being a contributor to the team. The success of the team is not indicative of whether he helps the effort that night or not. The season could have gone one or two ways for Elijah Weaver. He could have been a huge pain in the ass. He's a 20 year old kid, wasn't getting the playing time he wanted, or he could keep his head down, keep his mouth shut, keep being a good locker room guy, and keep moving forward. The latter has happened. And so I think that he should be commended for handling the situation in the way that he did. That's all I'm going to say on that. You can read between the lines, but I think that this kid should be commended and respected for the way that he's handled this situation in this season, which is very clearly not gone the way that he had hoped for.
4: He, he could have had a USC degree if he just stayed.
2: It could have been. <laughs> could have, he could have been doing a lot more at USC if I. Yeah, would that that that'd be what's the going Me rate
3: in? for one of those nowadays? <laughs> <Hello>.
2: <laughs> you know that was leading into the next question. When are we bringing back the hot or not? Unfortunately, the hot or not is going to have to stay indefinitely dead because it was a fantastic segment, a great segment, but we had to further the show and further our interests, and there was no way in hell I was getting on ESPN Radio and having a pregame show with the hot or not still being part of the program. I'm sorry to everybody that does miss it. So. Two more questions left. Drew, this one's for you. Uh, actually I'll open it up to both of you guys. Drew first, Blackburn second. Who does Dayton want to avoid come A ten tourney time? On the first day of the tournament, uh, my thing or, or my team rather I'm gonna pick is Rhode Island, even though they're four and ten. They might yep. not even make it to Friday because they're gonna probably be in the pillow fights. Drew, Blackburn, who does Dayton want to avoid come A ten tourney time? Walk us through it.
3: Oh, I really don't want an Arch Baron three, guys. I really yeah.
2: don't. Yeah. I really, really 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 round. really 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 don't. What if Jordan really Air Jets don't. there?
3: Uh actually <laughs> if Jordan Jet is there, I like our chances cuz yeah. Anthony Grant will go all fuck these guys in the locker room and then I love our chances. So that's kind of where I'm at uh that's like they're really the one team that that worries me.
4: Are we talking about avoiding in the first round or just in general?
2: Just in general. I mean like you know, Blackburn take it like this. What's your ideal path for UD in the A10 tournament?
4: Uh, Duquesne in the first round, <laughs> Fordham in the semis, <laughs> Mason. That. Mason is <laughs> in the final. Yeah, no, I think I mean I think we we all Salou is obviously the team you want to avoid just because it, it turns into a rock fight. Uh, it turns a beautiful game into a sluggish, you know, um, almost unwatchable game. But yeah, I'll go. I'll go with you, Salut too. Rhodey is kind of a physical team, and they they play t- uh, Dayton tough too, and obviously. You know Davidson and VCU that goes without saying,
2: so I won't say it. Yeah, Drew, w- where do you land on that? Uh,
3: so my ideal path would be, I, I would like I said I would love to avoid realistic. playing St. Louis on Friday. Uh, I would love to draw like a Richmond or a George Washington on Friday, um, and then for the second round, assuming we we win out and we're we are the one seed, that means we're going to be avoiding Davidson and VCU probably. Uh, Bonaventure doesn't really scare me because I just think we have more depth than them. And I think we match up very well against them. So Bonaventure doesn't really scare me. Uh, and then I'm with you like Rhode Island, if they even make it, that's a team I just want no parts of, of play. playing again. Yeah. So really those are the only like St. Louis and, and Rhode Island are really the only two where I'm like it. God, it would be really nice to not have to play either of them. Anyone else roll the balls out and let's go.
2: I'm with you. Last question for both of you. Uh, Lowe's or Keyfaber? I, I'm a Lowe's guy. Lived on Lowe's. Uh, Blackburn, what say you?
4: Lowe's. I, I think I think 80% of people would probably go Lowe's. Yeah, it just, it
2: just is what it is, man. It's where, it's where the party's at. True? You agree? Lowe's in the spring, Keyfaber in the fall. Oh, okay. Okay, I'm mixing Copy up Ops. a little bit. I like it. I like it. Um, all right, that'll do it. We're gonna get to final thoughts, take you out of here. Uh, we always say the show's gonna run short, and then it doesn't run short. <laughs> Dayton again, uh they're they're a winner. So, hey,
3: when we work in a great ass mailbag, that's the way it goes.
2: I know the people actually spoke. They spoke loudly tonight and they wanted a mailbag, and so that's what we did.
4: And those were good questions. Let's be fair. Yes. Let's be fair. Yeah, they weren't
2: throwaways. No. You know, no, no it was eighty-two the final at UD Arena tonight. Flyers got one more home game uh before they take it to DC for the eight tournament second week of March uh, we don't have to walk through the box score anymore the Flyers got done what they needed to get done they needed to win six in a row they have five of those wins in hand now before that last week of the season against Richmond and against Davidson for a potential a 10 title The Flyers hype train has left the station the bubble conversation is alive but we need to close the program out with final thoughts Drew, I'm going to let you go first, and then we'll get to Blackburn. Final thoughts before we take the people out? Three words. Just win, baby. Al Davis, just win, baby. Blackburn, where are you at with final thoughts tonight?
4: Yeah, I, I with Drew, I mean, I think, you know, they got to win the next three to stay in the conversation. A lot of things are going to happen over the next two weeks. Also, I want to point out in tonight's uh, Providence-Xavier game, Ed Cooley with the absolute coaching malpractice, not fouling up three. In the uh, second overtime, oh you'll see the clip, and it's just embarrassing. It, Providence still p- did pull the game out in the third overtime, but my God, you have to found that situation. Oof, 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 I almost yourself.
3: freaked out live on the podcast because I had it on. I have it on. I had it on my TV I, on mute. I almost happened? freaked out on the podcast when did, I saw that happen. They,
4: like the guy, was in a position to foul. look like he just didn't do. I, I don't know what what happened there, but I mean, you're up three with like two seconds, and the guy got off. The cleanest look at a three you've ever seen in college basketball history. It's <laughs> ridiculous. Seamless,
3: uh, they still
2: lost, though. Yeah, it is. My final thoughts for the evening have to do with the game on the floor. Uh, we said going in that the Flyers needed to keep the three point shooting percentage down for the Minutemen. Eight for 22 against St. Joe's. They were nine for 28 holding the Minutemen tonight. That was 32%. UMass actually took more three pointers than two pointers tonight. Uh, which was kind of a testament of the Flyers forcing them into the things that they wanted to do. That's a check. Uh, Flyers sharing the ball. They had 17 assists on 32 made baskets, more than 50%. That's going to be a check. Get it down low and get your second chance points. That is definitely going to be a check with Tamani Kamara, 12 points. Daron Holmes, 10 points. Mustafa Amzil, he had four points down low as well in two point range. They did all those things. They executed the game plan. They knew what they needed to do, and they went out and 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 did it almost executing twice. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a professional out here, okay? Um, but I, I wanted to end there. Is that we've seen now five times in a row that there's inferior teams. There's a game plan to execute against these inferior teams and the Flyers have taken care of it. And that's the thing that's most promising to me is that AG is not, is not a dumb man. He knows his basketball. He knows what's going to take care of business. He's put the game plan in front of the team and they've gone out there and they've done it. So that's it. We got a game on Saturday against LaSalle. No show um, until uh, let's say Sunday night going into Monday. Um, So the song I'm going to take you out with tonight is a little apropos. Ain't No Rest for the Wicked by Cage the Elephant for Drew and Blackburn. I'm Sully. There's two rules. Drew, what's the first rule? Wear red. Blackburn, what's the second rule? Be loud. And that is all she wrote. We'll see you next week.
1: I was walking down the street when out the corner of my eye I saw a pretty little thing approaching me. Saw the shadow of a man creep out of sight And then he swept up from behind He put a gun up to my head He made it clear he wasn't looking for a fight He said, give me all you got I want your money, not your life If you try to make a move, I won't think twice I told him, you could have my cash But first you know I gotta ask What made you want to live this kind of life He said that He stuck his bank account with righteous dollar bills But even still I can't say much Because I know we're all the same Oh yes we all seek out the thrills. You know there ain't